Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Jailed Russian opposition politician Alexei Navalny. It is now being reported from uh, the uh, Reuters news agency that uh, he is now dead. In a statement, it said he felt unwell after a walk and almost immediately lost consciousness. Alexei Navalny, the voice of Russia's opposition, now silenced. The death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny made headlines across the world. Yet it was hardly a major surprise to anyone who knew his plight. In the summer of 2020, the anti-corruption activist plunged into fits of agony aboard a flight forced to make an emergency landing in Siberia. Narrowly surviving, he was airlifted to Berlin where doctors confirmed he had been poisoned with a Novichok nerve agent. On Friday, Vladimir Putin's most prominent political opponent died in mysterious circumstances in a Russian penal colony located in the Arctic Circle. Navalny's mother saw him Monday and said he was in good spirits. Yet somehow Alexei Navalny dropped dead suddenly at a penal colony in Siberia. The former lawyer, activist and political prisoner had amassed a huge global audience by unveiling the extent of corruption within the Kremlin before his incarceration in January 2021. Alexei Navalny has just been sentenced to 19 years in prison in his latest trial on extremist charges. This is the fifth criminal trial where he's been found guilty. And now, this week, Tarnished Michal Martin has summoned the Russian ambassador to Ireland after stating he has no doubt in his mind the political activist was killed by the Russian state. I think there are some harrowing accounts of uh, the latter stages of his detention, the freezing cold cells, uh, the limited exercise. It is quite chilling that any individual can be treated in this manner. I'm Fiona Chien, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Russia analyst Jason Corcoran 
to discuss whether the death of Alexei Navalny will embolden Vladimir Putin to embark on more rash and dangerous actions. Jason, Alexei Navalny was declared dead on Friday morning. What do we know now about how he died and the circumstances around his death? You know, on the very murky, so the, the prison service in in Russia said that Navalny died after he went for a walk um, at the Polar Wolf Penal Colony in Karp. That's in the Arctic, and that's about oh, 2,000 kilometers northeast of Moscow. Uh, and this walk happened around lunchtime. Typically, Alexei would have said he would have gone for walks at 6.30 in the morning, his, his daily constitutional. So that was strange. So his lawyer and his mother have arrived at the colony over the weekend and they were told that his death was caused by sudden death syndrome. This is a very, very vague term for different cardiac syndromes that cause cardiac arrest and death. The Russian state television has said Navalny died from a blood clot, but it's unclear exactly what's going on here. And his press secretary for uh, Navalny's uh, anti-corruption foundation says he was murdered and uh, this decision had been taken from the very top. So really, we're not very clear at the moment and we don't even know where his body is. An associate says when Navalny's lawyer and mother arrived at the prison colony, a prison employee said his body was taken to the nearby city of Salakhard, but the morgue there said they did not have it. Navalny's team says Russian authorities are lying and doing everything they can to avoid handing over the body. Yeah, even over the weekend, there was initially some, a lack of clarity over whether he was dead or not. There's been digging being done by Nova Gazeta. Nova Gazeta is an independent Russian newspaper uh, that was banned in Russia, but they've regrouped and they're still working overseas and they have sources on the ground. They said the body wasn't taken to a standard morgue and there was bruises on Alexei Navalny's body, which were consistent with some sort of seizure as well as traces of heart massage. But we don't know why his heart stopped. Um, Nova Gazette also said the local coroner is in this place called Salakart. They they refused to perform an autopsy because uh, either there was orders from the Kremlin um, or they feared for their own lives about what they might find. And then furthermore, uh, Fiona, there has been two unscheduled flights land in this place over the weekend. And these possibly are carrying federal officials and the fear is that there is a cover-up underway. Is it, in your mind, worth your life? Because there is a big target on you, no question. Uh, I'm trying to not to think about it because, look, I think I'm ready to sacrifice everything for my job and for the people who are surrounding me. I'm not let them down. And I'm trying to not to reflect about it all the time. Describe the location to us again. We're used to hearing about people being sent to gulags in Siberia, but it, this is in the opposite direction from Moscow, but we're talking way up towards the North Pole here. Yes, yes. It's it's very remote, very cold, very hot place in summer. Uh, the polar wolf colony, it's considered to be one of the toughest of all of the prisons in uh, Putin's uh, Gulag archipelago. 
Um, Alexei was only sent there in December last year. Actually, he went missing. So he was staying in one of the gulags near Moscow in the Vladimir region. And he was, he went missing for two weeks. And apparently it took, it took him that long to get him physically up to, up to the polar wolf colony because it's so out of the way. It's difficult to get to. Uh, Alexei was saying during his morning walks, the temperatures were getting down to minus 35 degrees. Uh, but he was still full of his wry humor. He said, nothing quite invigorates you like a walk in Yamal at 6.30 in the morning when it's minus 35. Navalny said he was in excellent spirits and glad he finally made it. I am your new Father Frost, he joked in an update posted on social media by his lawyers. So his wife, Yulia Navalnaya, she was in Munich, coincidentally, for a security conference. And she made a very tearful address. It was incredible, actually, that she had the, the courage and the ability to stand up and talk uh, at that th- assembly. But she said, you, you can't trust Putin. And, and uh, the Kremlin, they always lie. They will be accountable for what they've done to our country, to my family and to my husband. They will be liable for that. And uh, she's calling on the international community to unite and to defeat this evil. His mother, Ludmilla, who is still up there, um, uh, I I believe, near the polar uh, colony, is reported to have written on Facebook, I don't want to hear any condolences for for Alexei. Uh, She said she saw him on the 12th of February on her previous visit, and he was alive, healthy, and happy. And we saw, and I I think if anybody have access to social media, that Alexei was in court the day before he was allegedly killed, and he was joking with the judge and uh, about uh, his his latest uh, solitary confinement and fine for um, for a pen being stolen on him. And has there been any kind of official response in Russia from the Kremlin? Dmitry Peskov, who is uh, Putin's official spokesman, has said, "Yeah, there's an investigation going on. We don't have any information, so they're sort of uh, passing the book to the prison service." Um, externally, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian le- leader, said it's very clear that Putin has has killed him, like he killed Boris Nemtsov, another opposition figure in 2015, who died just yards. From, from the Kremlin's walls. Um, in, in the States, Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, has said his death in, and the fixation and fear of one man only underscores the weakness and rot at the heart of Putin's system. And uh, in, 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 in the UK, David Cameron, um, the Foreign Secretary, said that uh, Putin should be held accountable for the death of Navalny. Will there be consequences for Russia now? Well, there should be consequences because there's no doubt in my mind this man was a brave fighter against corruption, for justice, for democracy. And look what Putin's Russia did to him. Why would it suit Putin for Navalny to be out of the way at this particular point in time? If you look at this, um, you know, in the context of the elections, which are just weeks away, you think it's, it's a very stupid move because it denies legitimacy for Putin and uh, ahead of those those elections. The order to kill him, they could have been authorized by somebody within his military industrial complex, uh, possibly to undermine Putin. And also we saw with uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin, who was the leader of the Wagner group, who who marched on Moscow, uh, that he was, was killed. It's difficult to see what's the upside for Putin ahead of the elections. Tell us, why is Navalny such a threat? Who is he? What does he represent? 
Alexei was, uh, he exposed wholesale corruption in uh, Russian state-owned state, state uh, companies and corruption by oligarchs close to Putin. And uh, he had exposés on Putin's, uh, Putin's palace on the Black Sea coast. And there was, there was millions and millions of people who watched these YouTube exposés and uh, that undermined Putin's power. Uh, I first met Alexei in 2011, and he was just starting to do these exposés. He had a live journal blog, and uh, he came across, he was investing in his small stakes in state-owned companies. One of them was Transneft, as an oil pipeline operator. And his investigations, so he could get access to financial records, his investigations re- revealed that Transneft was building a pipeline connecting Western Russia to Asia, and there was an embezzlement of $4 billion. This revelation electrified and shocked ordinary Russians because they always suspected this, but now there was hard proof. And so then he started mobilizing uh, his online followers uh, to protest. And in 2012, there was um, allegations that the Duma elections were rigged and Navalny called for people to protest on the streets of Moscow and St. Petersburg primarily. And he brought, well, almost single-handedly, over 100,000 people onto Prospect Sakharov in the center of, uh, center of Moscow. And this, Fiona, was the biggest single protest since the fall of the Soviet Union, and it, it rattled the walls of the Kremlin. What is his background uh, prior to getting into these exposés? Uh, yeah, so he's a lawyer uh, by training, and uh, he initially got involved in politics. He worked for a, a fringe uh, d- Democratic Party called the Yablaka, and that was sort of part of the systemic opposition, uh, sort of fig leaf uh, of uh, legitimacy for the election during Putin's early years. And he was expelled and uh, from the party, and then he dabbled with nationalism a little bit. Uh, he took part in rallies uh, involving um, the right-wing ultranationalists. And I asked him about this later, and he said he was trying to create an umbrella to whereby they could uh, face down Putin. So basically bringing in the skinheads, the right-wingers, the national Bolsheviks to create sort of a large uh, anybody-but-Putin movement. Were there not a couple of Nazi guys at that march? Well, in the normal world, in the normal uh, political system, of course I would never be in the same political party with them. But we are creating coalition, broader coalition, to fight authoritarian regime just to achieve the situation where everyone can participate in election. So then he started mobilizing and uh, creating his anti-corruption foundation and doing these huge investigations into Putin and his elites and then trying to run for elections. His biggest success at the polls, Fiona, probably was in 2013 when he suddenly decided he was going to run for Moscow mayor against Putin's candidate, Sergei Sobyanin. He got about a third of the vote and... Subyanin got just over 50%, and Subyanin got enough to avoid a runoff. Some say that the, those elections were, were partly cooked, but same time, after that, Putin returned to the Kremlin. He'd been away for four years as prime minister. Dmitry Medvedev had kept the seat warm, and when he came back, he brought down the hammer, and Navalny was basically banned from running for you know senior political office after that. And then in 2020, we had 
we had a very familiar tactic being employed. There was, there was effectively uh, seemingly an attempt to assassinate him by by poisoning. Yeah, so he he was trying to sort of build up uh, his oper- his uh, national operations, and he'd flown out to Siberia to Tomsk to support two candidates for the local municipal elections. And uh, while he was there, some FSB operatives gained access to uh, his hotel room and they dabbed the Novichok, uh, a nuclear agent, on his underwear. And, uh, and Alexei subsequently flew back to Moscow and uh, he, uh, you can see the social media footage, it's very dramatic. He was uh, writhing around in agony and screaming and the pilot... Well, luckily for 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 Alexei, I made the decision to make a, an emergency landing in in Omsk, also in Siberia, and Alexei said afterwards that that saved his life. He was airlifted to Berlin to the Charity Hospital, and that's where he recovered uh, a matter of weeks, months. So, despite these attempts to clamp down on him, to assassinate him, to freeze him out of political life. He still returned to Russia, and he and he pretty much knew what was going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he had this uh, this um, martyr complex somewhat. So he returned to Russia in 2021. They, I mean, his wife, his family, uh, they tried to persuade him not to. But what about your family? Do you ever think uh, that you are putting them in danger? That is the toughest part. Yes, I don't feel any fear, but children, what is kind of really horrible thought if they will try to use this Novichok somewhere around my apartment mm-hmm. where my mm-hmm. children is coming, like, you know, this door or something, but everyone can touch it. But anyway, we should fight these people because they will never stop. They will poison someone else. They will poison more people. I mean, he he didn't want to become one of those exiled Russian leaders. You've got like guys like um, Khodorkovsky, Garry Kasparov, the former gra- gra- chess grandmaster. For, for, for Russians, they they feel that these guys they're you know speaking from their ivory towers. They don't live their lives in Russia, and they don't have the legitimacy. Uh, so Navalny felt he had to come back. So he came back and he was arrested and uh, he was sent away to the Gulag. It was exceptionally brave to come home, but Navalny had always said that he would, and arrests and long periods in detention are nothing new for him. But now he knows how close he was to being killed, an assassination attempt that he blames on Vladimir Putin directly. His wife Yulia has put up with so much over the years, and so it continues. And Putin apparently refuses to speak his name, basically. Yeah, no, but Putin, uh, symbolically or superstitiously, he is never on the record uh, used Navalny's name. He calls him the Berlin patient, uh, that character, sick man, and a protege of uh, U.S. intelligence agencies. Uh, and And typically, Alexei, he's referencing again movies, he said, I'm like Lord Voldemort. Putin cannot say my name, he said, in reference to the main villain in the uh, the Harry Potter uh, movies. So uh, we've seen over the weekends that that even 
people at attending memorials for Navalny have been clamped down upon and, and arrested by the Russian authorities. So is, is Putin effectively trying to write him out of, of, of history here? And how will the Russian uh, authorities handle a, a, a funeral for Navalny? Yeah, I, I think uh, they will try to uh, have a very limited funeral. They'll try to keep away uh, uh, Western media, certainly. We saw this with the funeral for Yevgeny Prigozhin, the, the Wagner leader, uh, late last year. There was very tight security in St. Petersburg because they didn't want to make him into a martyr, uh, even though he, you know, Prigozhin was a hero for many of the, uh, these ultra-right uh, turbo-nationalists. So, and we've seen very limited protests in Moscow so far. I mean, a lot of Alexei Navalny's supporters have left Russia, especially after the general mobilization in September um, uh, of 2022. So I think there could be a very severe clampdown as well before that funeral. Now, we've seen world leaders, both past and present, pay tribute to Navalny since his death, although some have been more self-serving than others. Donald Trump has posted his first remarks on the death of Alexei Navalny. The sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country. It is a slow, steady progression with crooked, radical left politicians, prosecutors and judges leading us down a path to destruction. What now is Alexei Navalny's legacy? Is is he merely another opponent that... Uh, Putin uh, has has written off, uh, or is he somebody who who leave a, a lasting impact upon Russian politics? In twenty four years of Putin's reign, nobody stood up to Putin like Navalny did. He offered Russians uh, an alternative, a possible democratic future. They only tried democracy for a few years under the turbulent uh, tenure of Boris Yeltsin, when Yeltsin was aging and he was hitting the bottle. So, you know, many of my friends and my wife's relatives, they were afraid before Alexei, uh, afraid of talking about politics, afraid of talking about Putin. And for a few years, they were not afraid. They marched with him and they need to be inspired by him again. And I'm just reading on the news wires that uh, Yulia Navalny is going to try to replace him. She's going to try and stand up to Putin and follow follow his example. What next for Putin then? We have these elections, in inverted commas, happening in two weeks' time. I mean, will the death of Navalny, will that just embolden him further and will it send uh, a message to any other uh, potential opponents out there? Mm, yeah, well, Putin has he has less constraints than ever before as he seeks another six, six years in office. If he gets the six years, it will bring him up to the Stalin's tenure. And then after that, if he keeps going, you know, uh, Peter the Great was in for, well, over three decades. And that's what he wants. He wants that historical legacy. Bridges have now been burned with the West over the war in Ukraine. And there is an international criminal court uh, warrant for his arrest. And we know we've thrown the kitchen sink sanctions against him. So I don't think there's much else we can do. And as we saw from that interview with, well, uh, interview, I, I put in inverted commas with Tucker Carlson, uh, he seems to have retreated far into his own world. And he may believe that he was just settling an old score with Navalny. And Putin's in constant insecurity 
that is having wider effects uh, upon the region as a whole. Yeah, I mean, like the the economy is stagnating. There is zastoy stagnation right across because we've moved to a, a war economy. I mean, there is full employment, but there is huge uh, employment gaps in manufacturing, in agriculture. Inflation is is through the roof. You think we have it bad here, and there was shortages of eggs, of frozen chickens, uh, some of the main staples. Uh, people are seriously depressed and uh, I think they're going to be even more depressed now. And my thanks to Jason Corcoran. I'm Fiannan Sheehan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from Sky News, CNN, the BBC News, CBS News and the Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. 0818-715-715.